Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Uh, you know, I want to thank all of you. Uh, and I, I really do want to take a moment to thank you all for your ongoing support, for everything you've done uh, to get the word out about this show and shows like this and the network we're on. And I have to tell you, you know, I, I was interviewed today and someone asked me, they said, Dr. Pat, what happens when, uh, this was a live interview today, is it what happens when you get up grumpy in the morning? You know, when you wake up and you get grumpy, what do you do about that? And I had to think about that because I couldn't think about a time when I actually woke up grumpy. And that's related to my show tonight. You know, I'm not saying that I don't get grumpy. I mean, I am a human being, but I don't wake up grumpy. And there's a story behind that, which I will share with you. When you have a life-threatening disease, as the one that I've had for the past eight years, and you're told that when you go to bed at night, you better be really clear about what you're grateful for because you may not wake up the next day. I'm telling you, taking that first breath with my eyes open in the morning, I say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, universe. But guess what? What does that all mean in the context of our lives? What does that mean to have a spiritual awakening? What does it mean to be in the moment of an evolutionary enlightenment, that new path to spiritual awakening? That's what my guest, Andrew Cohen, today is the author of what I think is just an incredible book. I'm just absolutely on the edge of my seat waiting to talk uh, talk with him about it. Um, evolutionary Enlightenment, A New Path to Spiritual Awakening. And so he's joining me here today as this spiritual teacher, cultural visionary, founder of the global nonprofit Enlighten Next. And he is someone that is sought out for what he has to say about spirituality, what he has to say in the dialogue and the conversation of life defining what it is today and helping each of us live in the many questions that he asks. Oh, it, it is so awesome to have you here, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Dr. Dr. Patterson. It's an honor to be with you, and your, your enthusiasm is making me feel even more inspired than ever. Well, thank you. I, I want to start with a question that isn't in the list of the questions that everybody sent me to ask you. <laughs> I love, when I went to your website and I was looking at A New Path to Spiritual Awakening, I love one of the first things you come out and say. Well, you invite us to find out 
why being here now is no longer enough. And I so have been feeling that, but didn't quite understand it the way you explain it. How is this? How is this idea that we've tried to embed in this culture of being here now, how is it now we've arrived at this place of evolution where it's no longer enough? Well, I, the, the whole notion of, of, of be here now became popular by the, uh, the famous spiritual teacher, uh, Ram Dass, you know, Richard, uh, a.k.a. Richard Albert or Ram Dass, yep. Yep. Who, in, who introduced, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole hippie cultural revolution in the late 60s and early 70s. He, he really introduced millions of people to the, you know, the Eastern concepts of meditation and, uh, and mystical enlightenment. And he wrote a famous book uh, called "Be Here Now," that was really about uh, you know about the practice of meditation and about uh, telling people to return to the present moment. Because if we look very deeply, if we open our mystical eye and we look very deeply into the present moment, uh, we will discover eternity. And uh, and the teachings of the great uh, spiritual uh, living spiritual uh, master Eckhart Tolle are also pointing us towards the same perennial mystical revelation that, that, in, the, that in, the, in the present moment, if we open our mystical eye and we look very deeply into the present moment, we will discover eternity. Uh, but the eternity that, uh, that they are, are pointing us to is, the, is what is traditionally called the ground of all being. And the ground of all being can be understood to, to be that, uh, that, that, empty, that, that empty, timeless space or place from which the entire universe emerged. So before the universe was created, um, there was no time and no space. Uh, there was no thing whatsoever. And if we enter into very deep states of meditation, we also can awaken to that part in ourself where there's no time and there's no space and there's no memory. And so when we, when we discover that place, we experience a sense of spiritual freedom because before the universe was created and before, the uni- before we were born, we didn't have any problems. Everything was perfect. And so that's why if we enter into that place, that domain, we experience the perennial mystical freedom of transcendence, freedom, you know, freedom from time, freedom from the mind, freedom from our emotions, freedom from the world. Um, but I think that that, that kind of uh, mysticism is now no longer culturally relevant and, and is outdated because I think that the, the, the new big idea, you know, the new big idea which is going to become, uh, you know, the new big idea that's going to be informing cultural evolution is evolution itself. And evolution means we're part of a process that's going somewhere that had a beginning in time 14 billion years ago. And if we look back from the place we are right now, we can see that in 14 billion years there's been a lot of development. We're on a moving train. We're all part of a process that's going somewhere. And that the human capacity for consciousness, cognition, interiority, self-reflectivity uh, is, the very, is the very leading edge of that process. Something amazing is happening here. Um, and so uh, I, the, the new mysticism, the new kind of spirituality that I'm speaking about, is, is, is one that uh, awakens us to the evolutionary process and inspires us to want to uh, participate uh, in the life process for very different reasons because, because we realize that who we really are at the deepest level of our being is not separate from the energy and intelligence that created the universe. 
that started this momentum of becoming. And when we realize that that's who we really are, you know, the energy and intelligence that created the universe, where, you know, we're not merely uh, the, the individual psychological selves that we uh, imagine ourselves to be, but we actually have a cosmic identity. Uh, when that happens, we, we awaken to the, the, the ecstatic urgency of what I call the evolutionary impulse. And when we experience that impulse, we discover a overwhelmingly life-positive sense of inspiration to be alive. Uh, which changes our relationship to to being to being here in this body in this world in ways that are really beyond imagination and very culturally relevant, I believe. I love this. You know, I I don't know if you know this, uh, Andrew, but I actually was part of a three day event in Seattle, and it was a dream of a firefighter. His name is Eric Lawyer, and he found himself after the events of nine eleven angry, frustrated, uh, wanting to go to war. Then became, uh, then uh, felt betrayed. He ate and he drank too much. And after all of that, he came to the realization that it was time to shift from fear to love. And even though he knew that within inside himself, he created a three-day event, used his entire life savings to pay for it. We participated and did three days of nonstop broadcasting. And the reason I'm mentioning it to you is because someone said to me. They said to me, how do you do this? How did you do eight hours of radio interviewing all those people, half-hour interviews with only three-minute break between? And I thought about this, and, Andrew, I I so got the answer from your book. I can even tell you what page in your book. I think it was page 41. I started to make something up, and then I stopped, and I said, you know what? Time stood still even though we were so busy in conversation. And you talk about flow in the book. And I wanted to ask you about the significance of this, this, this place of creative flow in the evolutionary enlightenment. Well, you know, when we, uh, I think the way we, the, the easiest way to, uh, to talk about it is I think for everybody to um, remember those moments uh, when we were um, unselfconsciously creative, you know, those moments when there is an unselfconscious creativity flowing through us, uh, those are moments when we are free from uh, the fears and desires of the psychological self, and we, we are awake to a creative in, uh, inspiration, uh, which makes it possible for us to, to give rise to possibilities or potentials in us that we didn't even know existed. Mm. Um, and we then we experience the miracle of the creative process happening, you know, in and through our own minds, hearts, bodies, and souls. We we actually feel that something something is coming through us that our that our that our minds, bodies, uh, souls, and personalities are are, are participating and uh, are participating in a in a, in a creative engagement with life that's making uh, that's making. Uh, it's possible for something that actually never existed before to emerge through us. And I personally feel that when that happens, you know, that is the, it's the biggest thrill that I think a human being can have. And it's the biggest, it's, it's the biggest affirmation of, I believe, why we're here. Because from an evolutionary point of view, you remember the evolutionary impulse is a creative impulse. And if we look back from, from where we've come to now, way back to the, you know, the beginning of time at the beginning of the creative process, 
the creative process is a process of continual emergence. It's the emergence of higher and higher levels of, of, of potential, of creative potential. And so when, 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 we, when we as human beings are able to give rise to uh, this creative potential, we actually feel that the universe is, you know, the energy and intelligence that created the universe is literally working through us, that we are, we are, we are not only we are vehicles for that creative energy, but we're also consciously, you know, participating with it because we're using all, all, the, all the, are the gifts of our uh, highly evolved humanity, uh, which, you know, and then we're, we feel that we're part of a creative play or a creative dance that is, that is you know, one with the cosmos as a whole, and it, um, this really enlightens us to the evolutionary process. Then we begin to literally feel that we're one with the energy and intelligence that created the universe. We're, we're one with the process that's going somewhere. And in our own, uh, uh, in our own small but not insignificant way, you know, we're, we're actually, uh, we're actually doing something important. You know, one of the things that, um, I was really struck by, I, I actually, I, I actually got to work uh, in a company that was formerly known as Bell Labs. <laughs> I, wow. It's funny to even, I know, honestly, am I dating myself or what here? But <laughs> I, I, I used to have uh, bagels on Friday with a gentleman um, uh, that was called Arno Penzias. And uh, the gentleman is associated with the Big Bang. And um, I got to spend, uh, my, you know, my young uh, emerging non-executive pushing a mail cart career <laughs> with the president at the time of Bell Labs and the guy that every Friday drove in in his old Buick and served us bagels because we were just there. Now, you talk about here we are, the entire cosmos pro- cosmic process, the discussion of the Big Bang into the present moment, and and the evolution, uh, the evolutionary opportunity that all of us have, in a way, I hear you saying to transcend the conditions that we call our environment, our our economy. How can we look at what you're saying and bring it right up close and personal to its relevance in this day and time, given what people say they are experiencing? You know, I've been, I've lost every job I've ever had, so I understand job loss. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, I think in evolution, you know, there's, I think there's two, there's two fundamental uh, aspects to this uh, in, in relationship to how it affects us in the present moment. Uh, uh, one is what I was just speaking about is that the when we awaken directly to the evolutionary impulse, which is the energy and intelligence that created the universe and is creating the universe, we awaken to and we actually begin to experience, you know, we, it becomes a direct experience. The, the nature of that impulse, which is, a, which is an ecstatic urgency, there is a life-positive inspiration, which is the nature of the creative energy that gave rise to the evolutionary process. And when we awaken to it as human beings, we feel or awake to a sense of, positive, of life-positive inspiration uh, that, uh, that otherwise uh, isn't present. You know, when we, if, we're, if we're not awake to the evolutionary impulse, we're, we're probably only aware of our psychological experience and when we're faced with many of the challenging difficulties uh, that you that you brought up, you know, it can be very depressing. But when when you begin to realize that inherent in the creative process is, a, you know, as a whole, you know, uh, with all the problems inherent in it, that 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 there is a uh, a life positive uh, a, a source 
uh, endless resource of of spiritual, of cosmic and spiritual inspiration that we can actually experience. It empower it spiritually empowers us to face many of the very real and tough challenges that we have uh, in ways that otherwise we wouldn't be able to do. So that was, that's one aspect of it, and the other is that when we awaken to uh, an evolutionary worldview, we it becomes apparent to us that 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 the evolutionary that the evolutionary process is a cosmic process that's, that's unfolding unfolding. So we begin to see everything that we're personally being challenged by and faced with in the present moment, even things that are very difficult from a perspective of a larger and larger process. We, you know, the, the context and the contexts in which we see and see our own experience, uh, you know, uh, unfolds and becomes very vast. And, and even, even things, even, you know, life circumstances that are personally very challenging to us, we see is a small part of a, of a, of a very vast unfolding. Um, and that helps us, it, it helps, you know, in a, in a quite a profound way for us to see everything in a much bigger context, which makes it a lot easier to handle. It doesn't mean that everything's always going to be easy. Uh, but, but we begin to see that what's happening, you know, the challenges that we're being faced with, you know, in this moment is a small part of a, of, of a very big picture. You know, one of the questions you ask in the book, uh, it goes, I think something like this. I think you ask, can you recognize um, how absolutely meaningful your own aspiration to awaken is? And I wanted to ask you, when did you recognize that for yourself? When did I recognize what? I'm sorry. Uh, that that um, uh, that our own uh, aspirations to awakening is absolutely meaningful. When were you struck by this? Because I know that in order to write a book, the book that you've written, oh, I can, I, only... I can answer your question. Okay, I can answer good. Your question. Sure. Well, when I, when I was a seeker, I was when I was a spiritual seeker, I was, I, you know, to be totally transparent with you, I think I was very selfish because I was only interested in my own personal enlightenment, my own personal liberation, my own personal transformation. I was a very self-centered, narcissistic, spiritual seeker, I mean, to be completely honest. But when I, I was fortunate enough, you know, and I consider myself to be one of the luckiest people in the world, when I was fortunate enough to find what I was looking for, I realized that it wasn't really about me, that it was about the, it was about the process itself, awakening to itself, and then I, that was when I recognized that the spiritual impulse itself is an evolutionary impulse, and it's, it's one that isn't personal. And I realized that, you know, that, that when I actually found what I was looking for, I realized that, um, uh, that, that I thought I was looking for something for myself, but I realized that when we, when the, the, this, that the spiritual impulse, which is the evolutionary impulse, was actually looking for me, because the energy and intelligence that created the universe, uh, is, is looking for vehicles through, through which consciousness can evolve. So at that, so when this all happened, I, you know, I kind of realized, well, this, this isn't really about me, and it's not about my own freedom, and it's not about my own enlightenment. It's about the evolution of consciousness, and it's about the evolution of the process as a whole. And I'm a very small bit player in a very big movie, uh, and there's a much larger purpose here than, than my own personal transformation or how, or how I happen to feel in every moment. Uh, there's, there's something much bigger going on here, and that's what's important. So, um, uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And, you know, it really leads me to sort of like a conundrum. Now you're going to hear my perfectly honored, honest uh, contribution to this. You know, when you talk about this, this, this yes, saying yes, 
to the impulse to evolve. I love this because I can relate it to my life. I mean, I can relate it to the moment that I said yes to do my first hour of radio in 2003. Getting behind the mic was like breathing. But I will tell you that it required epic courage to continue because everyone in my world looked at me as if I had really lost my mind. Uh, And yet I had so found this flow that you're talking about, um, this idea of our whole being. When we have this yes that we say yes to, Andrew, doesn't it sometimes come with those personal decisions we make and sort of the rocking of the foundation of our world. <laughs> well, absolutely, and uh, definitely, most certainly. And, of course, what I think the, the easiest way to explain that is when our consciousness evolves to a higher stage of development, our values change. So, uh, so in other words, if we, could stay, if we could say that one stage of consciousness could be reflected in, in one given set of values, and a higher state of consciousness would be reflected in, a, in, in different, higher values. When our values shift, it, sometimes we can feel like we're going a little crazy because things we felt were important at one time, now we realize are not so important, and other things now become important to us because we're seeing things from a higher perspective. And, um, and this can turn our world completely upside down and can personally challenge us you know, in, you know, in the most direct an immediate way. So, so the, trans, the, the, the transformational process, you know, is is a is a very big challenge. And I, you know, I actually feel now that uh, that I'm, you know, I've been teaching for 25 years. I mean, you know, I thought, oh yes, you know, if you become an enlightened person, then you're going to be free. And I didn't realize that once I found what I was looking for, I, I was going to be assuming an enormous burden. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so before, you know, I, 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 you know, I thought, oh, well, I'll solve my personal, you know, neurosis, my personal problems of, of angst and self-concern, and I'll be free. And I didn't realize that, uh, that you know, you, you, have, you know, we should be careful for what we ask for, because, you know, at least in my case, and I think this is true for all people who really do find what they're looking for, they, they discover, they, they find an enormous burden, an enormous responsibility. They had no idea that... Um, because you know, as we as we awaken to these larger and larger perspectives, we experience a sense of responsibility for them. We feel a sense of responsibility for the evolution of the process as a whole, and we can no longer live a small-minded, self-centered life that's just about me. We realize that that, that there's something very big going on here, and we really feel responsible for um, for making that apparent to people, and also, uh, you know. Uh, Awakening people to the fact that there's a very big there's a there's, there's a very big purpose to this experience we're having, and that in and that's why we need to get over ourselves so we can discover that purpose and then begin to live a completely different life a life a life of great meaning and great purpose one that is imbued imbued with is something I, a phrase I think you'll like which is what I call spiritual self confidence and spiritual self confidence. Uh, emerges when we know without any doubt who we are, and we know without any doubt why we're here. And when, and when we uh, when we c- cultivate and awaken to the kind of spiritual self confidence I'm speaking about, we become very powerful individuals that 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 you know that that have the capacity to really uh, catalyze uh, you know catalyze developmental shifts 
in other people. I mean, you know, so it, I, I really think in the end this is a matter of, of, of developing a, a, a different kind of confidence, you know, confidence and, 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 and ex- confidence at the existential, the deepest existential level of really knowing, knowing deeply who we are and deeply why we're here. And when we know that, and we have a lot, a lot of confidence in that, uh, it, we're able to face all kinds of challenges in, 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 from a much bigger perspective than we uh, otherwise would have, would have been able to. Oh, yeah, and I, I, I love this conversation. Uh, I just want to tell everyone uh, that's listening, uh, Andrew Cohen is my very special guest. Uh, his latest book, Evolutionary Enlightenment, A New Path to Spiritual Awakening, it is amazing. I am now on my second read of the book, and just absolutely, Andrew, I'm just absolutely floored by the way you've been able to take what some people would call a very complex construct conversation, you know, whatever the language is, and break it down so that we can understand that we are players in this game. In, and I think that's kind of sometimes we forget that, like the decision that you made to write this book, the decision I made to say yes to doing radio, to say yes to that impulse that you describe, it actually has an effect, correct? It, it does. And, you know, one way to, one very interesting uh, way to understand what, you know, what, what you're saying about us being players is, is when we look at the, uh, at, at, at the, the fundamental mystical truth like all the greatest mystics from all the great traditions all the great religious traditions always tell us the same thing they say the ultimate truth about reality the ultimate truth of the ultimate truth about the nature of reality is that there's only one and there's not two and the perennial source of mystical liberation is the recognition that there is only one and 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 that i am you are and i am that one without a second there is only one so when we awaken to that mystical that perennial mystical truth that there is only one and not two and that is who i am uh we realize you know we realize that we are the only one that there could have been that chose to give rise to the greater process and that would mean that from a mystical perspective a mystical and philosophical perspective that this is my creative process. This is all, I have done all of this. And so when the mystical eye opens, we, it, when, when, we, when we're able to embrace this, uh, this, this overwhelming truth, and it is quite overwhelming, we stop resisting, you know, consciously and unconsciously, we stop resisting being here. We stop refusing consciously and consciously to be here. And we begin to embrace the totality of what it means to be alive. And, and, and ultimately the totality of what it could be for us to be fully, totally, radically alive. Uh, uh, and that changes everything because now we, because we, we accept and embrace wholeheartedly our, our role as the creator, you know. And of, of course, uh, you know, what that's going to mean for, for any in particular individual human being may be different, but, but it, what it will look like is a wholehearted, unselfconscious, you know, uh, deep and deep and profound embrace of the life that we're living for the sake of a much larger and higher purpose. 
You know, and part of this, too, and what you're saying is that, and this is really what hit me, uh, someone joking, was making a joke uh, in speaking with me the other day, one of my friends, and they said, oh, my gosh, you know, we always wonder who's going to show up. You know, meaning, who are we having coffee with? Are we having coffee with Dr. Pat? Are we having coffee with patty cakes? Are we having, (laughs) I mean, mean, seriously, because I have different personas. And I thought for a minute, well, isn't isn't it okay to kind of shift between the different parts of who I am? And yet at the same time, Andrew, not have to explain this. You see, it gets really complicated when you have to explain things like this. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not completely sure what you're saying, but I, I, I think that um, I think that it's necessary if we're, you know, if we're, if we're very serious about um, about our spiritual evolution and our own higher development, that um, that at least you know nobody's perfect, you know, uh, and uh, you know we all have our good days and our bad days, as you were speaking about, you know, in the beginning of the show. But I think we have to get to the point. Where, uh, where there's where we uh, fundamentally where when fundamentally who shows up is that is the same person that that the one that the the deep divisions in the self the deep the deep schizophrenia is gone, and uh, and the, and our personality really becomes the the quite consistent fairly consistent expression of a singularity or of this one ultimate truth. I think that's very important um, yes. that we that we get to that point because if if we can do that, we give each other confidence. We give each other spiritual self confidence. So, in other words, if I know that that every time I meet Andrew, or every time I meet Pat, that I can depend on a, a, a certain level of, of of consistency, it's gonna it's gonna give me confidence. I'm gonna have confidence in them. They're gonna have confidence in me. We're gonna have confidence in each other. But when people, but when we're not sure who's gonna show up. Uh, we it's hard for us to trust each other, and it's it, it's hard for us to uh, because I I do think that you know the deep and profound trust is going to be the catalyst for for cultural evolution. You know you know absolutely yeah absolutely. And so, we, and so I think spiritual development, if it's going to if it mean if it's going to mean anything at all, it has to mean that the individual is able to manifest a certain kind of consistency. And sometimes it's very dis- disappointing when we, I think we find out when some, some spiritual teachers, you know, have different kinds of personalities and show up in different ways, in different ways and then we wonder, well, is, is that, because I think, uh, if, if we're, if we're speaking about spirit, I think we, we need to be responsible for, be, for being manif- manifestations of spirit. And when we think about the, the highest manifestation of spirit, we're, we're talking about that which is not changing. That which is, that which is, there's a singularity that's unwavering. So there's an unwavering nature to uh, to you know to 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 the heart of what spirit means. What spirit means to us. And I think it's our obligation as spiritual aspirants to to uh, to reach a, a, a kind of development or a level of development where where we're able to manifest a certain kind of stability. Because I think that's how spirit enters in the into the world. Spirit enters into the world through the human heart and mind. 
Yeah, I, I love this, and I love the way you talk about the authentic self. I think you know the dilemma that I run into, the little challenge for me is that just like you're, you're, you and I are chatting away here today, this is my fourth hour of radio today, and so when I'm around my friends, I become the listener. You know, I. I I can it's, understand it's a, that. <laughs> exactly. It's a very – and so they tease me sometimes, and they tease me, and they call me Dr. Pat and, you know, so forth. And yet I know I'm still in my heart showing up fully. And let's talk about the authentic self the way you talk about it in the book. I love, love, love how you reference the authentic self as having no fear, no doubt, no hesitation, no procrastination. <laughs> well, oh. well, the way, well, the way I describe it is, um, so I've, I've referred several times in our uh, conversation to the evolutionary impulse, which is the energy and intelligence that created the universe. So the way, the way we can understand what I'm calling the authentic self is, is we have to just you know, enter into kind of a little bit of a theological fantasy in order to just understand this, so I'm what I'm, I'm just using a met, metaphor. I'm just speaking in metaphors now. I'm not speaking literally, but so imagine that if imagine if you were God, and you know, if, if and, and the nature the nature of God would be that which is absolute and unwavering. If you decided to create a material universe, you know, once you made the decision that I'm going to do this, I'm going to take form, I'm going to emerge from primordial emptiness. And I'm going to I'm I'm going to create a I'm going to create a material universe in my own image. Once you made that decision, if you were God, not a fickle human being, but if you were God, because the nature of what of, of what God would be would be absolute and not relative. Once you made the decision, there would be no looking back. So the 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 nature of the evolutionary impulse is because because the, the evolutionary impulse is is the actual experience of, of that primordial energy and intelligence. And when a human being awakens to that primordial energy and intelligence that created the universe and is creating the universe, uh, the fears and doubts and fickleness and self-consciousness of the psychological self falls into the background. And what comes into the foreground is the, is the, is the energetic, uh, inspired, uh, ecstatic uh, urgency and one-pointedness and unselfconsciousness of that impulse itself through the form of the human personality. So the authentic self, when, when our authentic self is awakened, uh, the, the, what, we, what we experience is the, is the spiritual self-confidence that comes from knowing and being awake to, the, to that one without a second. And, and, and when we know that, the, the fickleness, the division, as I said, the self-consciousness, the psychological self-concern, you know, falls away. It falls into the background. And what comes to the front is, is the profound degree of, as I was saying, spiritual self-confidence, which is the nature of the authentic self. And the, the, when the, you can tell when individuals are awake to, to the authentic self because they are free from self-consciousness. They're free from the duality of self-consciousness. Mm. You know, it's really kind of interesting because... I think almost everyone can point to some point in time, some place in their lives where they've had glimpses of this, if not this experience in totality. And, you know, I know for me, 
I've experiencing, I, you know, after reading your book, I went back at my life a little bit, and I said, oh, my gosh, you know, when I was playing table tennis professionally, I could experience it. When I'm on radio, I could experience it. The question then comes up, how do we get to be this authentic self all the time? How do we get from the place of being a spiritual hitchhiker, so to speak, to being completely authentic? In our lives. Well, the, the way that happens is, and by the way, I want to say I'm very impressed that this is your fourth hour today. You're doing great. I'm impressed. <laughs> the, 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 way that, the way that happens is, is actually is very simple, but it's very demanding, is we have to get to that point in our own development as a human being where we want this kind of transformation more than we want anything else. You know, we have to really want it. Uh, um, we have to be very one-pointed. It's like anything else. You know, if we... If there's something, because we're talking about a, a very profound, powerful shift here. We're not, we're not talking about a, a just rearranging the furniture here. We're, we're, we're talking about a, a, a very profound uh, uh, transformation. And I can tell you, you know, in my own life, really what made the biggest difference for me is when I, uh, you know, and I'm 55 years now, old now, is when I was 22 years old, I, I got. I just became completely fed up, and I was very frustrated and uh, and with my with my unhappiness, with my self self centeredness, with my small mindedness, with my suffering, and I I made up my mind that I wanted to be free more than anything else, and I was completely committed to doing whatever I needed to do to catalyze a permanent shift, a shift from which there would be no return. So. The way these, you know, as you said, many people ha- have glimpses of the kind of clarity and the kind of freedom and the kind of spiritual exhilaration and self-confidence that, uh, that we've been speaking about. But the, but the question is, as you asked, you know, how do we not just uh, become a hitchhiker, but how do we experience the permanent shift? And I believe the, 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 the only way really we can ensure this is going to happen is, is when we come to that point in our own development, when this kind of shift becomes more important to us than anything else. And when it does, uh. we, we're going to be making choices that are going to be in alignment with that, uh, with, with, with that desire. And we, and we will stop spending our time uh, doing things uh, that are going to take us away from it. You know, I love what you're talking about. And, you know, for me, I think, I hope, I, I hope most people don't have to experience this. But, you know, for me, it was being faced with my own vulnerability. You know, this idea that at any moment I could go, you know, to kind of watch my body deteriorate and feel, at the time, hopeless about it. But then to have the realization of the power that we all have inside of us yet not really knowing the potential. So I wanted to ask you about this clarity of intention, and you talk about it in the book and how important that is and, um, in, in the evolution and the decisions we make to create this kind of change. Well, the, uh, the clarity of intention that I talk about is, 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 is really what, I was just, what we were just speaking about a minute ago. It, it has mm-hmm. to do with... Um, becoming very, very, very clear, very, very, very clear about about you know what our what our primary goal is, and you know especially in in American culture, in American postmodern culture where 
you know, our, our cultural values are, are, are very materialistic and narcissistic. You know, for someone to uh, have a goal, you know, uh, to be very focused on, on, a, on a spiritual aspiration in a culture of narcissism and materialism is a very radical thing to do. It's not culturally accepted or acceptable. So it takes a lot of courage to, uh, it takes a lot of courage to, to allow ourselves to focus upon the kind of spiritual development and spiritual evolution that we're speaking about and to, and to dare to say in our culture, I believe that that's more important than anything else because, uh, because, because if spiritual development comes first, then everything else is going to begin to make sense and fall into place. Whereas otherwise, you know, we, 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 we're, we always feel like we're not really sure if what we're doing really makes sense. You know, and I, I think it's important that we get to that point in our own development where our life, in, in a fundamental way, morally, philosophically, and spiritually, makes sense to us, ourselves. You know, um, but it, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of a lot of one pointedness and a, and a lot of commitment. Uh, you know, especially in, in in a culture that doesn't really recognize spirit or the interiority or the within of things. Yeah, this also must tick off our ego, don't you think? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it it ticks off the ego because well, the, the, and I and the way I speak about ego is is in a, in a different ways. You know, mm-hmm. one way we speak about uh, speak about the ego is that it's the psychological self. Right. It's the psychological, you know, the narcissistic self. It's our. Mm. It's the it's the kind of the sense of self self importance the you know the sensitive self the sense the the, the part of ourself that feels hurt wounded traumatized victimized you were speaking before about someone being you know very angry and resentful it's the it's the psychological sensitive self which if we want to become an enlightened person we definitely want to transcend get over as soon as possible because that part of ourself is you know is a is is, is spoils the party <laughs> of, of, of evolution you know big time but there's another way to understand what the ego is and that and that's in relationship to some of the things i've been speaking about which it which it has to do with our shared values that are that our self the way we see the world is uh conditioned by the values and principles that we learn from our culture so um the you know the what the way we see the world uh, has has been conditioned by the culture that we live in, and I think that our we need cultural evolution so we can so we can begin to uh, bring the whole idea of spirit or interiority or the within of things you know into the conversation. We can you know can become part part of the shared conversation that there is a deeper dimension to life and to reality and to the human experience. That's an ultimate source of meaning. Meaning that when we awaken to it and when we share it with other people. It changes absolutely everything, and um, and so I, it, you know, so it, so this kind of conversation we're having would threaten the culturally conditioned ego in very big ways because it would say, "Hey, there's something more important than you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, I don't know about you, but I've had a few of those conversations with my ego along the way. What do you think? Oh yeah, lots. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, before we uh, continue, I absolutely want to make sure everyone not only knows how to get a copy of your book, but you have a fabulous website, too, uh, Andrew. Why don't you um, let folks know how they can find out more about you, how they can even download a chapter of the book, and uh, 
um, and and also the, some of the other things you, that that you invite folks to do here. Well, sure. So my website is www.andrewcohen.org, and uh, if people are interested in the in the new book, the uh, the, the page to go to is www evolutionaryenlightenment.com and uh, and you can order the book through that page. And I just want to say to all of you listening to the show and those of you uh, that um, are, are listening to some of the questions, I love how this book has opened up the door for a lot of questions and yet at the same time Andrew has provided me with a lot of answers in reference to my own journey. What have you learned if you take a look at your own personal spiritual journey, what have you learned uh, along the way? Meaning, if we had to create an epitaph for you right now, what would that say? <laughs> uh, what would my epitaph say? Yeah, other than, uh, you know, drinks a lot of beer and, you know. <laughs> um, I'm not, geez, um I mean, I feel I'm so midstream in this process. I mean, what have I learned? I mean, I'm, I'm learning all the time. Uh, I can tell you, I thought, like, I can say for, well, one thing I can say is that when I started teaching 25 years ago, I thought this was going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I thought it was going to be easy, and I thought, uh, and I also thought the transformative process was going to be easy for, for people. And I realized that the, you know, the kind of things that we're speaking about today are very profound. They're very serious. Mm-hmm. And they're very demanding, and the transformational process is quite an ordeal, and it's it's challenging, and it's hard. I mean, it's it's ultimately, it's it's always ultimately, absolutely worthwhile beyond measure. You know, we can't we can't even measure how worthwhile it is. But I think I didn't I didn't really realize what I was taking on when I when I said yes to to doing this kind of work. You know, how enormous the challenge was going to be. And so I think one of the things I've learned, you know, is, is, is what there ha- one has to embrace an enormous amount of humility when one, uh, you know, in, in embraces uh, this kind of work. I absolutely agree. I, I think that, uh, boy, be careful what you ask for. You said that earlier, and That's I still right. know that. Uh, I used to walk around saying, you know, my mentor told me that you can't really take somebody to a place you haven't gone yourself. Well, boy... Mm-hmm. I don't say that anymore. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about, you know, the future a little bit differently. But also, you know, in listening to, to what you have to say is this sense that this level of change, albeit difficult uh, sometimes, can absolutely be transformative in a nanosecond. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, at, I'm kind of, you know, getting to the right question, but there's a conversation about transformation that I've never agreed with, especially in my corporate life, that you have to go through 16 years of therapy to absolutely <laughs> realize that moment, that aha moment when no. everything, yeah, yeah no. you see? Well, especially if we're speaking about if we're speaking about um, in, you know enlightened awareness. Yes, exactly. There, there, there is. I think what you're referring to. There is always, and this is what is always so ever new about it. There's a radical immediacy, which is I think what you're referring to. There's the radical immediacy of enlightened awareness. In other words, when you awaken, you realize, oh, 
it's always been right here. Yeah, I know. And it's always been right here, and I, I was missing it. It's so so the the truth is, and and, and this this is and, and and many great spiritual teachers have been telling us this for for you know for millennia that there's an immediacy to enlightened awareness, which is the kind of depth we're speaking about, um, and that's what's always so shocking. In other words, when you awaken, it's almost like waking up from a dream, but uh, but uh, you know a waking dream. So you you kind of realize, well, I, it was always here, and yet I. I was simply distracted. I was distracted the whole time, and if I simply uh, made an effort to be less distracted, I would I would have seen this so long ago. So yeah, there's this the radical immediacy of enlightened awareness that's so liberating. It's the radical. It's always right here, and but but yet we miss it because our attention tends to be in the wrong places, and that has to do with how we've been trained, how we've been conditioned to 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 think and to see the world, and that's why I think. A very big part of this conversation is not really only about personal transformation, but ultimately it has to be about the evolution and transformation of culture. So that when, when you know when our shared culture begins to share these kinds of values, these kinds of ideas, these kinds of truths, I think the radical immediacy of the kind of depth we're speaking about will be more of, will be more uh, immediately available to to a lot more people. You know, I was really struck by. Um you know, the point that you just made in reading the book. But I was also struck by uh, a couple of the chapters in the book that I had to read uh, more times than I'm even going to admit to right here. Uh, but one of the things you say is face everything and avoid nothing. Yes. Wow. Now, you know, I, I read the title of that chapter in the book, and my ego immediately shut the book, and I went on to do the dishes. <laughs> I had to come back to that. I didn't even start to read it, Andrew. Just to, let's talk about this for a minute, if you don't mind. Well, sure. In other words, the, the face everything, avoid nothing says right. that, if you, that if you want to be free more than anything else, you have to be willing to face everything and avoid nothing. Now, most of us, you know, face face very little and avoid a lot. And because we face a, a very little and avoid a lot, we find that change is very difficult because we keep on tripping over ourselves. We keep on making the same mistakes. We keep on doing a lot of the same foolish things. And the reason is because we're, is because we're refusing to face very directly into into our own experience and to actually see what's actually happening as it's happening. So... I think the most, the ultimate form of spiritual practice is the practice of facing everything, avoiding, and avoiding nothing. Um, I mean, the, I, I don't, I think it's the highest form of spiritual practice, it's the highest form of mystical practice, and it's the most demanding. And, uh, and, and also, if we face everything and avoid nothing, we have to expand the boundaries of what we find permissible. So in other words, there's a lot of things about ourselves and about life and about reality and about ourselves that we find hard to take, hard to admit, hard to face. Uh, but if we're going to face, if we want to be free, we have to be willing to also see the, the darker dimensions of our own nature. A lot of the things that we'd rather not admit to, not only to other people, but also to ourselves. Uh, and the reason is because we want to take responsibility for those darker impulses. Because if we do, then we won't be unconsciously acting out of them. And when we stop unconsciously acting out of darker, darker motivations, uh, we become uh, responsible 
of spiritually enlightened people. And the other side of this is that there is a, there is a potential for extraordinary illumination and higher development as a potential for greatness, a spiritual greatness uh, within each and every one of us that we also you wouldn't dare to imagine. And so as we, in facing everything and avoiding nothing, as we have to be willing to you know, face uh, the, the, the darker and more challenging parts of ourselves, we also have to be willing to you know, consider uh, uh, the opposite, you know, the, the light and, 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 how, and how much of, uh, uh, is really actually possible for us. From, you know, most of us are capable of, of, of far more greatness than we could even imagine, and we have to be willing to admit that too and to face into that possibility. And let that in, you know, and and dare, you know, dare to dare to consider uh, what's possible for ourselves. I had I had to do that myself, you know. For, in my own case, I I would never have been able to imagine that I had become the kind of person that I am, doing the kind of work that I'm doing. It was simply, you know, inconceivable to me. But we have to be willing to, to facing everything, avoiding nothing. We have to be willing to face both extremes, and. Uh, uh, and that really that makes it makes a lot of things possible. But because most of us prefer to live within you know within very narrow margins, where we're unwilling to face the darkness, you know, darker impulses, and we, as a result, we're going to continue to act out of them. And then we're not willing to consider the light. We're not willing to consider how uh, uh, how much we actually could evolve and could develop. We don't we don't admit the possibility to ourselves, and therefore we don't actually embrace it. And then and then and if we won't, then we'll, then we'll never develop. So that's why it, that's why the facing everything and avoiding nothing is such a is such an important uh, part of all this. Uh, you know, I I so got so much out of after I finally got the book. Uh, Andrew opened it up and was able to read that chapter. Um, I, I I so loved it because it's such a powerful part of what you call us as a process and i want to thank you for joining me here today uh, you know if i had another hour i we, we would continue thank you so much for you saying yes to a a an amazing body of work and sharing it with all of us well dr pat thank you so much for your enthusiasm uh, your energy your inspiration and you've you've been a, a wonderful host and thank you thank you for featuring my work i appreciate it so much I can't wait to talk about it tomorrow when I'm on air again. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, I've asked my team. I'm getting a copy of the book for my team here, the folks that work in the show, because I think this is such profound work. It's going to help all of us go on this process together. So, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me here today. One last question. What is your personal message? What, do you, what would you like to leave us with here today? Uh, uh, I, I would ask everybody to 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 dare to consider some of the, some of the deepest truths that we've been speaking about. That that, if, that the ultimate mystical truth, from the perspective from the from the perspective of evolution, is that we are not separate from, or we are one with the energy and intelligence that created the universe. We are that one without a second. And to dare to consider, you know, to dare dare to consider that, and to consider what you know what the implications would be in terms of who we actually are as human beings in this world right now. Thank you, Andrew Cohen, everybody. I want you to make sure you go to the website, andrewcohen.org. You can certainly find out lots about him. The book, I will say it again, and we're actually going to pick it out for October as our book of the month. It's Evolutionary Enlightenment, A New Path to Spiritual Awakening. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you all.
Fall down somehow. 